welcome to Tent Talks. This is Stacy. I am here solo. And today I really wanted to talk about the process of deconditioning or deconstructing belief systems and why we need that in the world today. I don't know how to teach it other than to tell you my journey. And this episode, I really want to speak freely. I feel like my perspective is very unique as I've worked on a lot of bodies in very vulnerable positions, such as birth, such as after birth care, and of course, on the massage table, healing and working with people on a number of different injuries and emotional states and grieving processes. And it's opened the door to to really connecting with people differently in a way that a lot of people don't get that opportunity to see and work with people so intimately. And that's created a lot of my viewpoints for the world. And it's increased my compassion for humanity in a way that feels really really real, like really tangible. How I love feels very tangible because I feel so connected to those people that I serve and work with. I also want to speak freely because I feel like it's my privilege to do that. This is my platform. And it's sometimes hard to speak freely in groups or with other people and considering feelings. And right now, I just want to have the permission. So I'm giving myself the permission to just speak the truth that resides within me. And I would invite you as a listener, if there's something that comes up for you that's uncomfortable, to sit with that, to see if there's a reaction of a punch, but just to really, you know, take it easy in your body and listen to what it's telling you. And also, as a trigger warning, we are going to talk about religion, we are going to talk about abusive systems. And that's part of the deconstruction process is realizing who are your oppressors and what it looks like. So buckle up, grab yourself a cup of tea or you know, whatever you do while you're listening to the podcast. So first of all, a little bit of background with me. I did grow up in a small town in Utah, and I was raised in a very religious environment. And that is my first big lens. So deconstructioning or deconstruction or deconditioning is Finding those communities, groups, lenses, that's what my English teacher would call it, is is your lens. Um, it's like a pair of sunglasses that you can just take off and so you can see the world differently. So my biggest lenses that I remember, of course, were religious lenses and also patriotic I remember saying the Pledge of Allegiance every day at school and singing patriotic songs. And I knew that I was Mormon, and I knew that I was American, and I knew that I was a girl. And those three components of my identity shaped how I saw the world and what I allowed into my experience and what I couldn't allow and what I couldn't see or empathize or understand. And as I became an adult, probably in my early 20s, I would say, 
I just realized that I wasn't fitting into Mormonism, but I had had a whole lifetime of seeing that and gathering the data and recognizing like, oh, I can only belong here if X, Y, and Z. And it was a very long time after I left the Mormon religion before I started deconstructing. So there's a big difference between just leaving something and kind of putting a pin in it and then leaving it and saying, why? Why did I not feel comfortable? Why did I not feel like I could be my full self? Why didn't that work with the true essence of me? And that, my friends, is hard to do. And it's also very necessary to do. And it's necessary to step away from those indoctrinations that were put upon you without your choice. Because your identity is not the systems that you grew up in. Your identity is something separate. But we give our personal power into these systems and if we don't do the deconstruction part, then we don't actually take back our power. We just kind of leave it floating. And that's why inner child work and learning about your subconscious self and those things that are driving you is very important. And those subconscious patterns are typically messages that you got as a young person based on, well, like mine were being a girl being a Mormon, and being an American. Those were so strongly embedded into my personhood that I didn't really know who I was. And I'm still, as an adult, having a hard time identifying who I am. And I often write lists of things that I love just so I can reclaim the I am just so I can reclaim parts of myself, because there are times I get really lost still. And I wonder, is this me or or was this something that I was introduced to? I want to tell you specifically what about Mormonism didn't work for me and how it has helped me connect to my community and to other people and understand other perceptions when I figured that out. So I am the youngest in my family. I have an older brother and then I have three older sisters. So I'm the fifth child. And in Mormonism, it's a very male-led patriarchal religion. And basically, I remember these moments of sitting and just realizing that I wasn't important. I wasn't going to be making choices, being in leadership positions. I realized that as a very young kid because of the pressures that were put on my brother. And the only pressures that were put on me were like grooming pressures. Like you need to be nice, you need to be pretty, and you need to be obedient so that you can find a husband. Because like ultimately a husband is your ticket into into heaven. And this really plagued me because my older siblings, they started 
falling away from the teachings of the church. And as a little kid, I remember just like sitting in this quiet suffering place of like, well, if they're making choices that won't get them into heaven, then like, am I going to be in heaven without my siblings? Am I going to be separated from my families? Because a part of like a true foundational belief of Mormonism is this, you're going to be with your family forever in heaven. And if your family members aren't wanting that path, then like, what is heaven if you're not with your family? It was just such this, this hard concept to understand. And so I would just sit and I would just wonder all the time about my choice as, you know, the youngest in the family and all of my siblings are making a different choice and my parents are really clinging on to religion and, and just, they want me to follow through with it so much. And if I do this, will this separate me from the people that I love so dearly? It was this trauma that I spent the majority of my childhood thinking about because in Mormonism, you go to church Every Sunday, you have family home evening, you have youth activities, you have primary activities, you're doing things throughout the week constantly. There is no separation between religion and your life. It's so embedded. And that's kind of how it's meant to be set up because it makes it harder to leave because you, you literally can't. It's, I mean, you can because people have, but you can't leave with your dignity. Like your whole community shuns you for it. It's changed my relation tremendously with my parents. And it's devastating. The reason that I'm telling you about this is because one of the core belief systems in Mormonism is separation. And that's not what I believe in. I don't believe in separation. I believe in unity and and community and wholeness and that everyone's invited and there is no right and wrong, black and white. There's just situations and people navigating them. And I also realized that this identity for, for God and for Jesus Christ and all of these deities it was somebody's construction of that. It was a man's construction of that. For us to really try to define God and define what God wants and to be a voice piece, it's not really coming from a true source. It's coming from an interpretation of man and humanity, and that's wrong. And I didn't know that because it was so wrapped up. But back to this whole separation piece, if one of the core tenets of a belief system is separation, is conditional love, is conditional treatment of people, you can see how if you take that same lens and you slip it onto your outlook of the world, how that really changes things. Because you don't take into consideration people's situations and their circumstances. It's just this really firm, right and wrong place. And that's, that's really tricky to navigate. 
I knew that that wasn't who I was. And I knew that's not how I wanted to see the world. But it goes deeper than that, because when you deconstruct religion and your rights and wrongs, you realize that basically everybody in the world has a belief system and they all think that they're right. And there are universal truths. We know that. But to fight for separation is not the kind of belief system I want. And Mormonism has taught me over and over again that there are certain people who aren't invited to the party. If you're gay, if you're a woman that's not attached to a man, for a long time, if you were anything but white, you're not invited. I mean, there was so much controversial with that. But more than that, it just my whole identity as a youth, if you have piercings, if you have tattoos, if you should want to engage in sexual relations with people. And that can be an interpretation again, based on whatever. But there were so many limitations. If you're smoking cigarettes, if you drink alcohol, there were all of these things that just created so much separation. And I spent so much of my life looking at people's choices. And then based on what their choices were based on my belief system, I would categorize them. And I would create my own fences, I was creating them. And that's the interesting thing about belief systems, because you introduce something into a child's brain very young, and then they'll do the work over the lifetime to keep building those fences of separation. And when we have an other, we don't have the same compassion, and we don't have the same reasoning. And that's a really big problem. So as I've really worked hard to separate myself from religion, and from specifically Mormonism, It's been extremely challenging because I find all of these parts of myself that are still creating these fences. And they can be about really big things. They can be really subtle and hard to pick out, but they're there. And I want those to be gone because I want to create boundaries based on who I am now as a person and not based on just these prejudices that were put into my subconscious when I was very young. And I don't know if that makes sense to you if you haven't had a really strong religious experience, but that's my experience. Along those lines, I I decided to really deconstruct Christianity because, again, looking at history, looking at people, is this a tool to really love and nourish people? Or is it a tool of separation, control, and capitalism? And I realized that in my perception, how I see it, it feels a little bit to the latter of control, capitalism, and separation of peoples. And that's a really hard pill to swallow. But what if I just let Jesus off the hook? And Jesus can just be Jesus and not attached to all of these men's ideas and interpretations and belief systems. Because if we remember in the early church, in Catholicism, in early Christianity, there were only certain people that could read the Bible. 
most of the communities at that time couldn't read. And so it was basically a tool for for control and power and controlling the narrative. And that continues to be true with a lot of interpretations of Christianity. And so I've just decided to let that go. And the really cool thing out of that is that it doesn't mean that I let go of principles that I believe that Jesus stood for. And it doesn't mean that I can't still engage with that person. Does it have to be a a deity that I worship? That's up to me. But I don't have to follow those rules that I was given. So deconstructing Mormonism, deconstructing Christianity led me to deconstruct capitalism and also gender. Now, the interesting thing about gender is having birth education, midwifery education, I learned that a lot of births, like it's hard for me to give a percentage because I'm a little bit removed from that, but it's as common as being a redhead, whatever genetic percentage that is, of ambiguous gender at birth. And that basically means that Sometimes gender takes a little bit of time to identify, to develop. Sometimes there's birth defects where it's not developed one way or another. And a lot of the population is being born with that. That means that that parents either have the devastating decision of like choosing gender or waiting it out with their kid. And if society is so stuck on gender categories that you have to buy clothes, you have to have your nursery this way, people have to know how to refer, it has to have a name that has a strong, I mean, we've created whole narratives about gender, and it feels like there's a lot of pressure. And that's completely inappropriate to put that kind of pressure on people. I didn't realize the amount of pressure that I was feeling myself in a female body that is female expressing. And the kind of pressures that I've just accepted my whole life, and that I've been okay with. So coupling that with growing up in a really strong patriarchal community, Utah has the worst rates for domestic violence against women for equality with pay. There's such a huge disparity. And I think it's this idea that men have families, that they're, you know, they're the provider. It comes back to this idea that came from Christianity. It was kind of slipped through this Christian narrative. Now, was that something that really Christ taught? Or was that something that was used as a power tool by humans, and they just found a venue that they could slip that through. But the point is, there are so many parts of my identity, and my feminism, and my showing up in a female body that I had to deconstruct, and that I'm still working on, like, do I like that as a person? Do I like that because the whole world told me that I should like that? And women, of course, do a lot of invisible work, a lot of emotional work in relationships and communities and households. 
And I realized in therapy maybe two or three weeks ago that I identify as a helper. And it's a trauma response that if I don't feel like I am constantly helping, constantly in service, that I don't know how to relate to people. And that's a big, big problem that I have. And it came from me being in a female body. So the last thing of capitalism that I want to show you how I have been able to deconstruct is this idea that in order for me to live, I have to work into a system and I have to play by these rules of this invisible money that we're all striving for. And money has changed so much, especially in the last little bit. I mean, we've seen what can happen with everything being digitized, with people creating digital money. It's really wild to be alive right now. But there is still this control that capitalism has on us that we don't have a right to exist unless we're working. Because we can't buy a house, we can't buy food to feed ourselves, we can't clothe ourselves. And and there's so many things that come in to play here that, that you can't live unless you're working to make money. And in 2020, when I couldn't work because of COVID and COVID restrictions, I realized that what a big joke capitalism was and, and how it doesn't serve or support humanity and human development. It's this means of control and exploitation and oppression. And again, back to the separation that people can be working harder, making less money. They can be not working, just collecting money off of people that they're in charge of that do all the working. It just became this this tool of division that I saw that I didn't really want to be a part of. And for me, that totally radicalized and changed the structure of my business. And I only wanted to work on people that I trusted that would show up and respect my health and me as a person, if they were willing to wear a mask, if they weren't, if they would tell me if they were sick, if they would check in with me, it changed my payment processes to go to more of a sliding scale setup, which is totally radicalizing me. It's changed a lot of how I interact with the world and see people and everybody's striving for this dollar. And we've given away our relationships here in Utah specifically. We don't have hardly any maternal care. People are not only from healthcare providers, they're not getting any care after having a baby, but then they're expected to turn around and go back to work to cut off that relationship. And we know, we've known for a long time that women need to have proper time to bond with their baby and their baby needs it just as badly as they do. And if things interrupt that relationship, it's pretty much the first 40 days of the baby's life. But if that's interrupted, 
that changes the way that baby is developing. And we've chosen to ignore that to go back to work. For for capitalism, for what? For what? And I feel so strongly about this because people are put into these situations where they have no choice. They cannot choose their flesh and blood. They don't even have that choice. They have to choose their job. And it's the devastation and the separation that we've created in communities is so loud right now. And it's no wonder that our rights are being taken away as women or people with uteruses, rather. It's no wonder because every step of the way, everything that at least in my lifetime I've been introduced to, let's say Mormonism, Christianity, capitalism, being in a female body, all of those things have been great tools of of oppression. And I've had to liberate myself from those ideas that were implanted in me by my community so that they could separate me from my body, from my power, from my voice. And it's taken so much hard work to get embodied, to tell my story, and to figure out what is and isn't working out of those big systems. And I don't know if you can relate to this. I don't know if you find yourself somewhere on the journey, but as our rights are being taken away from us and people are still making arguments about why it's a good thing, you're not listening. You're not listening to women's stories. You're not listening to perspectives because abortion isn't about babies. It's about taking away women's rights and having them be okay with it. With my education in the birth world, miscarriage happens to everybody. Birth complications, pregnancy complications happen to everybody. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter what race you are. It's happening. And if medical procedures are being taken away from us without our consent and choice and body autonomy, we've got some major, major problems if politicians can take away our choices. And I guess I would just invite you to think about lenses that you were born into, lenses of whatever those things are. I told you what mine were, but I knew from a very young age that I was American. I knew that I was Mormon and I knew that I was a girl. Those were so embedded in me. There was no separation. And to create that separation has created so much compassion, empathy, reflection, the ability to see other people's perspectives. And I don't think that you can truly empathize with another until you've deconstructed some of those inherent lenses that you were born into because you don't have that compassion for yourself. And that's the real, that's the real loop of it. You don't hold yourself in compassion and personal empowerment. And so you can't possibly extend that for other people. 
those are my free thoughts today on Tent Talks. And if you've stayed here for this journey, thank you so much. Thank you for your support. Thank you for hearing me, listening, and we'll see you next week.